Cause I'm As like- As a matter of fact, I'll be taking fucking notes. Do you mind if I elaborate on that real quick? Yes. Okay, I, I won't. I mean, no. Whatever I'm supposed to say where you just shut your mouth. Which one is it? <laughs> I think you're looking for shut your mouth. Hello! This is your GM, Alex, with another update on the future of our show. For anyone who's missed the last couple episodes... And, and why would you do that? We announced that at the conclusion of Skull and Shackles, the podcast will be getting itself a proverbial makeover. Swiss Army Scorpion and Tuesday Gaming will be names only murmured in Legends, but our show will continue bringing you quality Pathfinder goodness under the name Inspired Incompetence as we run Paizo's Tyrant's Grasp AP. In the weeks since making this announcement, you guys have bombed barded us with demands for information like who and what the players will be playing in tyrant's grasp and i promise that information will be coming soon but this week i wanted to share with you another topic of utmost interest our new logo deciding on a logo whether you're a podcast or a global organization is one of the most important decisions to make because your logo is your face your first impression it needs to be made with care it was not a quick or easy process for us. At the end of it all, though, each and every one of us are so incredibly happy with the final results. Please hit up our Facebook or Twitter or visit our website at SwissArmyScorpion.com and check it out. This logo was created by the wonderful and talented Abby Ellis, who very professionally and patiently guided this group of toddlers through the various design phases while we made bad jokes, ran in circles, and probably hindered her progress more than anything. Abby is a graduate from Union College here in New York and is currently off at grad school for graphic design. If you like our new logo, please let us know through any of our social medias or Discord. And if you want to see more of Abby's work, you can find her on Instagram at AbbyEllisArt. I hope you like the new logo. I know I absolutely adore it. And speaking of adore, this episode you're about to listen to is so incredible. So much is about to happen. From start to finish, this episode is nonstop campaign payoff. The character moments. This is why we play APs. You just don't get this level of gratification from one-offs or modules. And I'm not knocking them or anything. But what you're about to listen to, I think, is a shining example of what long-term character-driven campaigns can truly offer. Grab a snack, grab a chair, and please enjoy episode 125, The Life of a Pirate. Baldersnatch. Welcome back to Tuesday Gaming. We are Swiss Army Scorpion. How's everybody doing? Uh, no, fuck this. Let's get right into it. What the fuck's going on with Owl Bear? Yeah. Who? Yeah, yeah. Skip the pleasantries. Yeah. Yo, what? Owl Bear. <laughs> oh, Owl Bear. Some guy's dad. Owl Bear. Hmm. <laughs> okay. Uh, well, I, I guess if you guys want to, we can uh, start things off with a little flashback. We're on the forecastle of the Mascador, on the deck above the officer's quarters. A pale moon lights the scene for us, and we see a figure climbing up the stairs toward us from the main deck. As the figure grows closer, the shadows fall from his face, and we can see Leon. He's clutching his right hand and his left as though in pain. As he gets closer, we can hear a faint buzzing sound. Finally, Leon looks around for eavesdroppers and releases his hand, and we can see his magical ring that allows him to communicate with Pierce. Leon touches the ring, and the buzzing sound stops, and we can hear Pierce's voice. Leon... I'm sorry I got you mixed up in all this. There was something else. Something I didn't tell you about the mission to kill Barnabas Harrigan. We knew he was part of a plan for Chelix to invade the Shackles. That was why we needed him dead. Even though the invasion happened anyway, the mission has, for now, remained a success. But the condition for that success was for Kodak Bonefist to remain the Hurricane King. The plan was never for a coup to follow the repelling of this invasion. We need the Shackles to have a passive leader. Devoth is too ambitious, too independent for the Brotherhood's plans. What are you getting at? Your new mission is to abandon Devoth's coup. I've already sent the False Face fleet ahead to warn Port Peril of their arrival. Lastly, it would... 
Yeah, right, Matt? God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> Lastly, it would probably be best for your own safety if you weren't on Devoth's ship when it arrived. Pierce, I've been backing Devoth for months now. Are you telling me I'm just to leave him to fail? To die? Leon, listen to me. You've no doubt grown fond of Devoth and his crew in your time working with him, but the mission comes first. Bonefist will mobilize the city quickly enough when he hears about the approaching fleet. Devoth may be formidable, but without you, he won't have the kind of endurance he'll need to reach Bonefist. He and his armada are fatigued, and Port Peril boasts impressive defenses. Leon stands on the forecastle, the moonlit sea staring back at him. There's a long silence. Then, Leon lowers his head with a sigh. You're right, Pierce. The mission comes first. You're making the right decision, Leon. Return to me, and we'll reroute to a safer location together. The city will not be safe for much longer. Leon turns around, setting a steadfast gaze north, away from Port Peril. I will be there soon. The call ends, and Leon reaches into his pack and pulls out a magical scroll. Before reading it... He takes one last look down at the door to the captain's cabin. Sorry, Captain. Orders are orders. Still, I'm rooting for you. Leon activates the scroll and vanishes from the maskador as he teleports away. What in tarnation? When Leon reappears, it's inside a dark room. Only shadows are visible. A lantern is lit, and we can see it held in the hand of Ambrose Croup as the old cook stumbles out of his hammock. Leon can be seen in the room, holding his arms out in passiveness. Easy, Croup. It's just me, Leon. In the next moment, the door to the small bedroom opens, and Owlbear charges in, shouting an alarm. After several chaotic seconds of Owlbear lunging out at Leon and Croup intervening, things finally calm down, and Leon can straighten up and catch his breath. Croup is doubled over, keeping two firm hands on Owlbear's shoulders, who's now sitting down against the wall. Croup turns his head to look at Leon. You got a lot of nerve, Leon, teleporting into a man's room while he sleeps. It ain't right. I, I apologize for my rudeness, Croup. I'm kind of on a timer here. Croup straightens up and turns around to properly face Leon. <sighs> Fine. What is it you need so bad that you had to give me a heart attack? Leon points to Owlbear. Him, actually. Croup turns his head quick to look at Owlbear, who is passively watching the conversation. He quickly turns back. He's been through enough. Whatever you think he can do to help you and Devoth, trust me, you don't know what he's been through. He stays here. Leon shakes his head with a frown. No, I don't know. But I think I may still suspect. He wasn't always like this, was he? For a moment, the room is silent. The light from Croup's lantern flickers softly, pushing and pulling the shadows of Leon and himself along the wall. No, he had some sort of accident. Leon nods, still frowning. I haven't had many chances to observe him. But I've noticed some oddities. And also... Leon turns his head to look back at Owlbear. And for the first time in this scene, we're able to see the room as Leon does. And sitting on the floor next to Owlbear is a specter wearing a helmet with a mask over the helmet. Croup, does... does a man in a helmet with a mask over the helmet mean anything to you? The lantern light shines over Croup's glassy eyes as the old cook chokes back a mournful breath. Is he here? I heard someone say you could see ghosts, but is he here? Leon nods again. I've seen him a few times since joining up with Devoth, but only around Owlbear. Croup gazes around the room fruitlessly for a sign of the masked helmet. Croup, listen to me. I have to leave. But before I do, I wanted to come here and see if my suspicions were correct. If they are, I think I can cure him. Croup takes a minute to calm himself back down. He peers at Owlbear a couple times and back at Leon. He seems to be trying to convince himself that the possibility isn't too good to be true. Finally, he turns around and kneels down to Owlbear's eye level. Just stay there, okay? Everything's fine, Owlbear. Ugh. It's unclear if Owlbear understands, but... He gives Croup a look of trust. Croup stands aside and allows Leon to approach. And what do you do, Leon? Uh, I place my palm on Albert's forehead and cast Heal. And a bright white light travels from Leon's palm, and it seems to melt into Owlbear's face. And you can see the glow from behind his eyes. 
It's over as quick as it started, and the room seems completely dark, even with Croup's lantern. After a moment of hushed silence, Albert stands up and looks around the room with more focus and understanding than you've ever seen. Croup? Oh. Croup throws his arms around Owlbear, completely carried away with emotion. I'm sorry, Owlbear. I didn't know. If I knew they could fix you, I would have told them. I'm sorry. Owlbear seems more confused than anything, looking at Leon from over Croup's shoulder. Croup, what happened? Where are we? What? Owlbear stops speaking, and his eyes widen as though reliving some horrible memories that only just now begin to surface. Leon smiles widely at the two of them. Well, I'm glad it worked. I have to go now. Farewell, Croup. Goodbye, Albert. And as Leon removes another scroll of teleport from his pack, we can again see the room as Leon does, and we can see the masked helmet specter fading away as it moves on to the next world. Hold on, Leon. What, what do you mean? Doesn't Devoth need you? But in a flash, Leon is already gone, likely back with Pierce as they prepare their exodus from Port Peril. Leon! Croup runs over to the spot Leon vanished. Meanwhile, we can see Owlbear behind Croup seeming to struggle with the sudden shift back into sentience. Croup turns back around. Owlbear, is it really you? After some final moments of collection, Owlbear looks up at Croup. I have been out for a long time, haven't I? I, I always hoped you were still in there somewhere, Owlbear. I, I, I lost myself for a while, too. But after I sobered up, I, I tried to make sure everyone treated you good. Devoth did too. Albert frowns at the name. Devoth. He did treat me well. Do you remember? No, I don't think so. It's more like I just feel it. Some of it. Just give it some time, my friend. I'm sure it will come back to you eventually. That man that was just here. You said Devoth needed his help? Croup bows his head with a sigh and waves a hand vaguely behind him. Devoth is fighting off a chelish invasion. Shit like that is kind of par for the course for that man. Albert stands up straight with a face of resolution. He glances at Croup and takes a centering breath. With a startling boom, a large metal chest appears on the floor in front of Albert. Croup jumps in surprise. Son of a bitch! Croup clutches his chest, leaning against the wall. <sighs> you know... This is supposed to be my room. I'm supposed to be sleeping. What is that? But Albert has already opened the chest and is busy rummaging through it. He lifts up a chain shirt and throws it on. As he ducks back down into the chest, we can hear his voice echoing out of its depths. If Devoth needs help, I need to find him. Croup stares in disbelief. Owlbear Hartshorn, you are in no condition to go traipsing off into a war. You need rest. Albert straightens back up, now with additional adventuring gear on, including a cloak and belt. I need to make sure the few friends I still have don't die. You can't stop me, Ambrose. Damn you. What about me? What do I do if you go off and die? What if they all die? What do I do then? Albert hefts a haversack over his shoulder, completing his ensemble. Faith, my friend. I'll see you again, I promise. And with a salute and a bang, Owlbear teleports away. Croup jumps again at the commotion of the spell. Can everyone stop fucking teleporting in and out of my room? <laughs> and the scene ends. And we're back in the captain's cabin with Devoth, Tessa Fairwind, and Owlbear. Fucking wild. Uh. Oh my god. <laughs> I, had, I had goosebumps at one point. Oh my god. Yeah, That's how it's done. Yeah. So That was great. So, uh, just peeling, peeling things back for a second. Um, initially I was going to have like a, this scene going where Pierce gets in contact with Leon says it's time to betray Devoth, assuming that Leon's response would be like, fuck you. You don't, I don't do what you tell me, uh, <laughs> and helping Devoth with the assault. But I was like, let me just ask Andrew first just to make sure yeah. like that's a lot to pin on him and I was like yeah. so without really revealing anything Andrew what do you think Leon would do if he was kind of told he needs to choose between the Mascador and the Mass Brotherhood bearing in mind that choosing the Mass Brotherhood would royally fuck over the Mascador and 
Andrew was like, honestly, Leon would stick with the mass brotherhood because, you know, he's, he still needs answers from them. And I was like, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, wow, okay, I wasn't expecting that answer. I mean, okay, that that decision would effectively take Leon out of the story. If, if you know, that's not cool with you, we c- I, I can just make sure Leon isn't given that ultimatum. Because this wasn't part of the AP. It was just going to be a fun, like a fun character arc for Leon. Yeah. Yeah. So, and Andrew's like, no, like if, if it, if it serves the story, then, you know, I can roll up someone else. And I was like, all right. And I was like, so what I don't want to do is introduce a brand new character, like 90% of the way through the AP. Right. So then I was like, Hey, I've got an idea. And I pitched this idea of him playing an awakened owl bear. That's <laughs> so sick. Andrew's like, and, and the, like, before like before he pitched it, I was ready to go, well, you know, and also for this story, I'll keep playing Leon. I, I will have Leon choose something else because right. it, it fits the story. But when he told me about playing Awakened Owlbear, I couldn't stop thinking about how cool it was going to be. <laughs> That's fucking <laughs> sick, dude. Um, I, I do have to say, uh, it dawned on me in the middle of that, like, oh, oh fuck, we just lost Leon's heels. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And... Um, yeah, Matt, whatever I have less, 4,500 gold, I want to convert into as many of the strongest healing potions as I can. Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> I think the time for shopping was last session. Yeah, Yo, you don't we get can't to hit a our final through. shopping session on us mid-session and uh, not give us a little. I want 4,500. That's not. That's nothing. To be fair to Alex on this, too, he was very heavily suggesting, like, no, you guys should stock up on consumables. Yeah, yeah you should yeah, do I that. Mean, like, I'm I still was... gonna stand by. You should have given us more notice if you wanted final purchases done at that moment. I mean, honestly, your final purchases were supposed to be before you guys left Port Peril. The shopping that you did at Drenchport was like, I was like, oh shit, I wasn't even expecting them to have that opportunity. <laughs> um, <laughs> so you know, you guys, if you want to retroactively spend any unspent money, that's fine. But you will hear like. All, no shortage of grumbling from me. We have almost uh, how many? It's worth the grumbles. Just do it. I, I know. How many? Uh, how many? Like medium uh, or uh, cure cure wounds do we have? I feel like we have like an arsenal. Um, yeah. Well, maybe, but I need some on my actual character. Is what I'm saying. Yeah. Well, I will say, <laughs> knowing this, like. Yeah, <laughs> I am gonna take advantage of that. I'm gonna get a wand of cure serious wounds for Devoth. Yeah. And totally with the grumbles. <laughs> I mean, we didn't know we were about to lose our healer. Yeah, like I thought this was gonna be like kind of temporary. Or I, yeah, I think the big I thing mean, is I didn't know what he was gone the whole session. Scram scried on him where it was right. pretty definitive that he wasn't coming hey, back. <laughs> Ivan didn't know that. Uh-huh. He wasn't told once. Uh-huh. All right, so let's let's proceed. Um, so Albert has just let himself into the captain's cabin, where Devoth and Tessa were kind of sharing a moment. Devoth just fucking drops him. <laughs> <laughs> ah, Good. ghost! I wave my hand in front of Devoth. Are you there? Uh, what? What are you doing here? And when did you learn how to talk? I mean, when you did it. As a child, that's not important. Actually, I guess it is, huh? Um. I had a run-in with Leon. Mm. Yeah. And he cast heal on me. Now I can talk. Any questions? That that spell apparently works miracles now. All right. Okay, fine. What, all right, what are you doing here? <laughs> I'm here to help you. You know what we're doing? Yeah, something about Chelyx. I don't know. I heard you needed help, so I'm here. All right. Well, we already dealt with the Chelyx thing, but... Oh, well, that was easy. <laughs> but we're uh we're on our way to Port Peril right now to I kind of look at Tessa like overthrow yeah we're 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 going to commit a coup we're going to take down Kardak Bonefist what <laughs> <laughs> who oh right <laughs> uh... Tess- Tessa uh like looks between the two of you and she says Devoth do you know this person. 
That's that that's a complicated question actually. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot to unpack. <laughs> like, I know who this person is. I've spent a lot of time around them, and he's said more words in the last 30 seconds than in like the, you know, 10 months I've known him combined. And I'm not exaggerating. She says, "Okay. Okay. Um so is hot she she like turns to Albert. She says, "Hi." I'm Tessa Fairwind. Who are you? Hi, I'm Owlbear. Owlbear. Okay. That's uh, what everybody calls me. Fair enough. Um, is this going to be a problem? Because we are hours away from overthrowing the government. Um, no, I, I stand by my word. Devoth will have my help, no matter what the mission. She nods her head. She says, okay, well, I don't really understand what's going on here, but I'm not going to look a gift horse in the mouth. Okay, I guess we've got Owlbear here now. Um, oh man, today keeps getting weirder. All right. <laughs> well, uh, I guess give me a brief rundown. What can you do? Yeah, Andrew, why don't you just give us like a, give us a quick preview of of what Owlbear the character is? Sure. Owlbear is a thirteenth level psychic. Uh, his spells focus primarily on buff support for the team. He has some pretty nasty AC, uh, a static AC of 27, and through some different tricky spells, you can get it up to a 37 for one round, sometimes two. Okay, so like so much dark vision. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but so I have dark Tessa kind of like sits through that whole explanation. She turns to Devoth. She says, "Okay, so it doesn't sound like the plan has really changed much. Um, I guess Owlbear will be uh, with you." Devoth, and I will, uh, I'll take care of things on my end. That sounds to be the extent of it, yeah. Okay, so Tessa, uh, leaves the captain's cabin. Yeah, I, uh, I don't know if we want to do another, like, like, introduce the group to Owlbear thing, kind of like how we, like, had the group together, like, dismissing Leon. Yeah, I probably should get her, get everyone together so <laughs> that Owlbear can, I guess, introduce himself. <laughs> okay. So yeah, I'll uh, I'll call an officers meeting. All right, uh, Scram, Ivan, and Cheryl are called into Devoth's office. And you walk in and you see Owlbear sitting there, looking rather dapper. How did Owlbear get here? I thought we left him with Croup. I came back. Oh, oh, oh my shit. god! Ghost. <laughs> Since when? I I don't know exactly what this means. Other, I I don't think it's a good thing, but. Leon visited me before he left and uh, figured out that I was under the effects of a feeble mind spell. And he used heal to remove it. And now I'm here to help Devoth because he's always treated me well. Uh, this is a lot to process. Uh, do you remember everything, if not anything? Not really, no. Um, honestly, even when I say he always treated me well, I, I kind of just feel like he did. It's hazy. I'm, I don't know when or if things come back, but I feel like I'm supposed to be here. Croup explained there was some truth to that. Devault's been good to me. Uh, well, uh, this is amazing. Uh, I, I only wish I knew. I'm, I'm sorry, Owlbear. It's okay. I have, I'm here now. Uh, Scram probably in his mind is like, it probably didn't like dawn on him at first, like how, like how little it didn't like really register in my mind up until like maybe this moment is like how rough this dude's life is. Like if he's as well put as he is right now, like, and he was in that mist for who knows how long it's all like 11 months before we got on board. I mean, we I, don't even know how long it was, how long Harrigan had been working for Thrun, even before we got there. Yeah. For anyone who doesn't know, uh, psychics are intelligence-based casters. So to to lose your sentience for anyone would be horrifying. But somebody who values intellect and thought and your sense of self as much as a wizard or a psychic does... Uh, yeah, that's it. It had to like I for Owlbear. It's probably kind of like a like a war vet where he he'll probably just have like 
random moments where he's like back in that nothing and like it would probably just be horrifying. Scram would probably offer this to Albert. Uh Albert, uh the best I mean, I can help out a little bit. I have something called share memory. At the very least, times that we were together, I can give you those moments if we have sessions together. I don't know how I feel about that right now, Scram, but regardless of what I choose, thank you very much for the offer. We will wait till after the more pressing matter of making this man king. I agree, of course. Uh, Okay. So now I guess we should get on to Port Barrel, huh? I said we've been on our way there the whole time. But. Yeah, yeah. So I guess we'll, we like the camera just does like a like it does like a zoom out through the through the window. Real quick, too. I also want to point out that um, among like the stuff that we didn't sell from that we got looted from Dravelia Thrun and her ship mm-hmm. includes a potion of cure serious wounds, a potion of four potions of cure moderate wounds. And a wand of cure serious wounds with twenty charges. Sell it. Like I, I tend not to include like potions and wands in the stuff that I sell. So the armada continues south. As the city grows closer, the blatant lack of traffic becomes more and more apparent. Soon you can see the cityscape, with the huge lighthouse Besmera's beacon standing tall at the mouth of the harbor. Though still far away, you see more and more ships as you sail closer lined up within the mile-wide harbor. You identify a fair few as warships, sailing solely for the defense of the city. As members of a nation of pirates, though, you are keenly aware that every sail before you carries multiple siege engines, civilian, ship, or not. Devoth, you hear a soft voice behind your ear, the magical whisper of Tessa Fairwind. Remember, Captain, this isn't your fight. You need to get to Kurdak Bonefist, who's likely holed up in the caves beneath Lucia Hold. Take him out, and we win. After we get you past the bulwark, I'll take control of things up here. We'll revert to hit-and-run tactics once you're in to draw things out. 48 hours is still probably the longest we'll be able to stay at it, though. After that, just try to get Kurdak's head above ground before 48 hours. Devoth, like, nods, like, just to give her the affirmative. If you're, if you're giving me a silent affirmative, I can't hear it. The spell requires a verbal answer. Oh. <laughs> then I respond, yeah, I got it. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Bye. Dozens upon dozens of enemy ships float in the calm waters in and around the lagoon of Port Peril, ready to repel you, the invading force. Though it appears you have the advantage in numbers, as the invading force, you know you'll also need to contend with siege fire from defensive structures, as well as ground forces, if and when you land. All things considered, it looks like a long, bloody battle for both sides. But you know the path of least resistance and fatalities lies not in conquering the city, but in cutting off the head of the snake. So Devoth turns, I mean, mostly to his crew, but knowing that... Somehow, some way, his voice will carry to his fleet. You know, this is all the Master of Gale's fault. I'll fucking kill you! <laughs> I gotta say here, these circumstances that I find myself in, that we find ourselves in, are not ones that I ever dreamed possible. You go back a year, just one year, you'd find me drunk in a Port Peril tavern getting pressed into service. I was alone. I was an outcast, and all I could think about was surviving to the sea the next dawn. I just wanted to find my place here and be free. But no, the Master of Gales just had to go and sit out the regatta this year and drag me into this. I've been a privateer before. I sailed the seas in service to someone else's power. I've been a slave before. I've been held in chains at the whims and cruelty of others. It wasn't until I found myself here, in the shackles, that I found out what it truly means to be free. This place is the first place I've been where a man can truly be whatever he desires if he has the will and the strength to get it done. Is there anyone more free than a pirate? Just days ago, we faced down the biggest threat the Shackles had ever seen. Or so we thought. 
a Chelish navy sailed straight through the eye of Abendego, hell-bent on putting each and every one of us in chains and crushing us under their boots. We stopped the invasion. We saved the shackles. And you know what our reward is? We're being branded as traitors by Kardak Bonefist. Kardak Bonefist, who sat safe and sound in his plush little castle while the nation he claims to lead nearly fell to the devilish Chelish. Kardak Bonefist says we're traitors? The only traitor I've seen is a coward who couldn't even be bothered to defend the people he pretends to lead. I conquered Tidewater Rock. I found Mancatcher Cove. I conquered the Island of Empty Eyes. I destroyed the Cult of Dagon and Beidou Hanji in a single day. I killed Barnabas Harrigan and brought his traitorous lies to light. And I killed Dravalia Thrun and brought the Eye of Amandago itself to a halt. Kurdak Bonefist has forfeited his right to sit the Hurricane Throne. And I plan to tell him that in person. Who's with me? Yeah! Yeah! yeah. Huzzah! Oh, that was a that was a so fire sick. speech, Matt. <laughs> that was pretty. Do awesome. I get bonuses just for hearing those words? <laughs> I feel like I feel unstoppable. <laughs> I gotta change my shorts. <laughs> <laughs> Flooded my basement a bit. <laughs> All right, so we're still we're not too far from the city itself, right? You're about a quarter mile out. All right, so at this point, what I want to do is I'm going to order. The Abergirl's Fury, which was Dravalia Thrun's ship. Mm -hmm. We still have the skeleton crew piloting that. So, yes, we're going to have the skeleton crew start just sailing that, like, (laughs) straight at the enemy lines. Just the one ship going forward (laughs) with a crew of the undead. So the Abergirl's Fury sets forward, and maybe about halfway between our fleet and the defenders of Port Peril, you see smoke start to rise from the deck. And as as it gets closer and closer, you can see the flames like leaping up and and catching just everything on fire. I'm imagining this thing's just kind of going to like float on through the lines because like I'm just I'm just trying to think from their perspective, like what do you do if a ship's coming at you on fire? Like I just get out of the way. (laughs) Well, it gets close enough and like, the defending ships like open fire on it, but the, it's it's crewed by skeletons. So like any like damage that the ship takes or that the crew takes isn't really going to hinder its ability to continue to just sail forward. Okay. Um. At which point, like the armada is going to like part and just like get out of the way. But at that point, you've accomplished your goal and you have uh, the Chelish flagship, the symbol of Kurdak Bonefist's hubris on fire and just floundering in the middle of Port Peril's lagoon. Yeah. And then at that point, I'm going to pull out that scroll of mage's decree and address like everyone in a 12 mile radius. That is so fucking metal. I love this. (laughs) Um, There will be no confusion on who led this. (laughs) This is so good. (laughs) And then, yeah, you just like everyone just, in their head, hears Devoth's voice, like, booming. People of Port Peril, in the lagoon burns the ship of Dravalia Thrun. She tried to invade. We stopped her. The Hurricane King hid and cowered. He is a traitor, and we're here to take him down. You can get in our way and be cut down, or you can stand aside and let us do what we came to do. And I just imagine, like... If, the, if this were, like, a movie, like, after each, like, punctuation of Devoth's speech, it cuts to, like, like another house in Port Peril, and, like, um, floating in the lagoon is Dra- the ship of Dravalia Thrun, and, like, a door slams shut, and, like, you hear, like, the bolt lock, like, click, and, like, you can stand and fight, or you can, or you can stand aside and, like, shutters close, and, like, another line, and, like, you see, like, inside of a house, like, a mother, like, like, cocks a loaded crossbow, and just, like, like stands in front of her her children like just anticipating anarchy in the streets and just ready to defend her family and like the entire city is just on lockdown waiting waiting for the victor of this battle to be announced and with the final word 
A cannon fires at the north-facing wall of Fort Hazard from your armada. Carried by the collective righteousness and determination of your armada, the cannonball sails through the air, its velocity so off the charts that it seems to contort Prince of Tennis style before slamming into the fort's walls. Though it doesn't do much damage, the gong has been struck. The Battle of Port Peril has begun. In response, Port Peril's lagoon becomes a flurry of movement as sails deploy and the defending ships maneuver themselves to return fire. Will the pilot please give me a profession sailor check? All right. Cheryl, you want to handle this one? I don't know. That's <laughs> Get in your Gundam and ride! <laughs> <laughs> well, which ship are you guys on right now? Yeah. The, uh, We're on the Chainbreaker. The Chainbreaker, okay. I mean, Scrim might be on Autumn, I don't know, but... We are on the chain breaker. I thought we were trying to go to that secret. Yeah, but you got to get into the lagoon first. Oh, yeah, okay. and like Devoth needs to be seen in this fight. He can't just like sneak through on Autumn. But that is a 31 profession sailor. All right. A multitude of distant cannon fire sounds from the lagoon, followed by cannonballs raining down on your fleet. Several shots are near misses on the chain breaker, instead landing in the sea with enormous explosions of water. The fleet as a whole is not unharmed, though, and you can see several ships nearby take damage from the volley. Most ships aren't fitted to fire long range in the direction of their bow, forcing the invading ships to hold off on returning fire while they advance. The luck of the draw pulls ahead of the Chainbreaker on its starboard, and you can hear the commanding voice of Tessa Fairwind. We have to get the Chainbreaker into the lagoon to dock at Lucier Hold. That means we draw as much fire as we can. Who's ready to meet Besmera today? A low, unified answer calls across to your ship. Yo-ho! You can hear similar calls at your port and aft as the remainder of Tessa's fleet takes formation around the, the Chainbreaker. A voice calls from the ship off to your port side. You look and see that it's Merrill Pegsworthy, leaning off the side of his ship, hanging onto the rigging. We'll cut a path for you, Devoth. Just then, another volley of siege fire rains down on your armada. I need another profession sailor check from the pilot. That's a 28. As you draw closer to the enemy ships, you come within range of more and more siege weapons. This time, cannonballs are joined by ballista bolts and boulders from catapults. You see several nearby ships take damage, but continue their approach. A couple ships' sails are torn apart by ballista bolts, and a single unlucky junk ship is taken out completely as a cannonball hits it at the perfect angle, skimming over the entire length of the main deck, killing every sailor in its path, and splintering the main mast at its base. As you come within a quarter mile from the bulwark, the enemy ships break formation to meet you on the open water. In the moments before the two fleets meet, the battle cries and labor chants go quiet, and all is silent, save for the flap of a sail or the long zip of an adjusting line. I need another profession sailor check. Ooh, 35. Whew. Then splintering thunder as ships ram into ships. Merrill's ship intercepts an enemy galley that was heading directly for the chain breaker. His maneuver protects you from the enemy ram, but forces you to take a hard port to avoid adding to the wreckage. But that only puts you in position to take fire from a sloop. Crack, crack! Two sickening cracks sound on your starboard side from a couple ballista bolts. A fast approaching frigate has its ram running straight at the chain breaker starboard side, forcing another hard port turn from you. In an instant, your glorious charge has stumbled into desperate maneuvers around enemy and ally ships alike. All around you, cannon fire calls across the carnage. Grappled ships board one another, and blazing fires erupt between airborne hull fragments. Spells fill the air as fireballs and lightning bolts are sent to kill entire crews. Fallout from magical gusts of wind yank your sails this way and that. It's all you can do to keep track of which direction your destination is as you avoid as much siege fire and ramming ships as you can. And then crash! The chain breaker heaves as a galleon hits your starboard aft, railing, grinding against railing. A half dozen pirates jump across from the grappling ship before you can break free. They're quickly overwhelmed by the Mascador's crew, but not before slashing every line they can reach and throwing a flask of alchemist fire onto the sails above the aft castle. I need another profession sailor check. Oh boy. How about a nice 41? My word. Oh boy. 
All right. The Maskador's maneuverability takes a hit from the cut lines and damaged sails. The crew can amend these setbacks on the fly, but it'll mean slowing down even more in the meantime, unless Scram has something to say about it. If Scram wants to uh, spend a fabricate spell, then that'll fix everything perfect. Uh-oh. Uh, actually, no, I don't. Because <laughs> I have... Because you prepared for combat today? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah fair enough. Yeah. All right, well, then your maneuverability is going to be a little uh, cut then. Then... Nearby, you can feel the windy heat from a massive explosion that leaves two ships in pieces. A third ship is sent careening past you, its bow and stern at 45-degree angles from each other. As the enemy ship and the chainbreaker pass each other, time seems to slow down. And Devoth, you can see a single pirate desperately clinging to a ballista as his burning ship spirals. Your eyes meet. You can tell he recognizes Devoth, the leader of the Shackles traitors. As the ship continues to burn and crumble before you, teetering and spinning, the pirate and ballista are practically hanging over the water from the contorting frame, and suddenly impossibly he's looking down the shaft of his siege weapon directly at you with a one in a million perfect shot lined up by fate for only a moment before the ship's death spiral continues in the split second lineup devoth is rooted to the spot as the other pirate's grip tightens on the ballista's firing lever his eyes wide and teeth bared with jubilant disbelief at his fortunes then crash six long dark blue tentacles spring out of the water grabbing the other ship's railing the ballista and the pirate and then yanking downward freeing the pirate and the siege weapon from sight in an explosion of splinters while the cartwheeling fireball of a ship continues past the mascador in normal time yes the master of gales flying through the air swoops down and high fives one of the tentacles before zooming off again throwing lightning <laughs> down onto fuck? another enemy ship a large frigate sails up alongside the chain breaker you recognize the sails of Aranex and demian captain devoth the pirate lord's theatrical voice calls across the gap between your ships set your heading my wizards will ensure you're not intercepted i need another profession sailor check let's go uh that's a 29 all right <clears throat> As sea and air explodes around you, the chainbreaker adjusts its sails and takes a hard starboard, turning to face the lagoon's entrance. A boulder from a catapult narrowly misses, crashing into your rudder as you finish the turn, instead sending seawater blasting up over the aft castle. Aranax's ship, the Tyrannus, stays on your port aft as you sail south toward Port Peril. As you sail closer, the number of enemy ships increases dramatically, and two sloops race toward you, preparing to board. As the sloops get within 30 feet of you, though, a sleek red shimmer fills the air as a wall of force is erected between the Mascador and the enemy ships. The sloops react just in time to avoid the worst of it, but are still forced to divert their course, and they collide with each other in the process. You can hear jubilant cheers from across the Tyrannus. Keep your heading, Devoth! As you draw closer to the lagoon, you come within range of cannon fire from atop the towers of Lucier Hold. A half dozen cannonballs come careening through the air, perfectly on point to hit your port side. Right on time, though, the air shimmers again, and another wall of force springs up to block the siege fire. With a resounding klaxon of shattering glass, the cannonballs hit the wall of force. Four stop dead at the sleek red barrier, but the remaining two break through like stones through a window. With a skilled hand, though, the chain breaker is strafed to the starboard, narrowly avoiding the remaining siege fire with some good old-fashioned maneuvering. Behind you, you hear a crash as the Tyrannus is rammed broadside by a Shackles battleship. As the battleship's crew boards Aranax's frigate, its starboard cannons fire on your aft castle. And you're going to take some damage. God damn. Yeah, this shit's crazy. <laughs> yeah, this is madness. It's so intense. I'm loving this. Yeah, this and is amazing. This is so good. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. And the Chainbreaker takes 88 damage. From the cannon Oof. fire. Oof. As you leave the Tyrannus behind, you get closer than ever to the lagoon's entrance. You continue to weave around clusters of grappled ships and outmaneuver the enemy through the web of clashing wood and iron. And I need another profession sailor check. That's a 34. 
A rogue lightning bolt slices out from a set of grappled ships and straight through the chainbreaker's rigging, burning apart a dozen ropes and knots, but miraculously missing the ship's masts and yard. Several sailors call out in distress at the ri- as the rigging becomes treacherous to climb through. At the same time, you can hear faint cries of anguish ahead as a ship grappled on either side by Shackle's battleships is consumed by flames. As you watch, the battleships break off from their prey and sail toward the chainbreaker with shocking speed and maneuverability for their size. In no time, they position themselves perfectly to catch the chainbreaker should it turn port, starboard, or stay on course. The plan was to preserve your strength and magic for what lies beyond the siege, but these battleships may be an unavoidable obstacle. As the crew grits their teeth in preparation to meet these armored behemoths in combat, another ship bursts out from the masses around you to your starboard side. The dice be damned, and it is almost comically beat up. In four places among its three masts, you can see major damage to the point where the masts shouldn't even be standing. Only by the presence of what look like semi-solid bandages of force are the masts still functioning properly. You can also see what you could only describe as several large welts in the ship's hull. It's as if the ship has been on-the-fly jerry-rigged to stay in the fight as long as possible. From this distance, you can see Captain Cork, mouth nearly frothing with the speed and duration of orders frantically shouted across his deck. For all its cosmetic shortcomings, you must admit that Cork's ship is scooting through the water admirably. In fact, the Dice Be Damned is moving fast enough to intercept the nearest battleship with a desperate ram. The battleship doesn't appear to have taken much damage, but its speed has been effectively cut, preventing it from further moving on the chainbreaker. The Dice Be Damned isn't so fortunate. The main mast rightly splits in half, toppling overboard, and churning water at its port side indicates a fatally large breach. As his ship begins slowly lilting to port, Captain Cork then points at the remaining battleship. You hear him shout, Bombard 1! Bombard 2! As the rammed battleship's crew begins boarding the Dice Be Damned, Captain Cork's crew scrambles over to two previously unused catapults, which each fire what look like a cluster of small stones at the battleship still in motion. Captain Cork takes his hat off as he sends a short, flourishing bow at the chainbreaker. Then, he extends his hand toward the soaring stones and shouts, EXPAND! And each stone returns to its full size, and the target ship is struck with no less than two dozen boulders all at once. The battleship heaves to the side, stunned by the tremendous sucker punch. Its impressive armor keeps its frame intact, but the crew within is floored from the impact, and the ship is brought to a halt. Cracked, bruised, and unable to pursue you as you sail past it and the dice-be-damned and rammed battleship. As you pass, you witness both grappled crews locked in desperate clash on the increasingly slanted deck of the sinking dice-be-damned. Scram, you spot Gare as he cuts down his attacker with his heavy greatsword. He turns and spots you in turn and gives you a snarling, curt nod before running his sword through the back of another enemy. With your last major opposition behind you, the Chainbreaker finally crosses the threshold and into Port Peril's mile-wide lagoon. From here, there are no ships to stop you to turn port and sail through the unsettlingly empty harbor toward Lucier Hold. You pull up and dock at the single pier. No sooner does the ship come to a stop than it begins to violently rock and buck as if it were being sailed up onto solid ground. Indeed, you can see the pier begin to drop from your view as the ship is lifted above sea level by some unseen force. Even as your crew begins to cry out in alarm, others shout, Go! Go! Urging you to jump down to the pier and leave the fate of the ship in their hands. What do you do? I suppose, I mean, we need to get into Lucia Hold, so if that's where we are, that's where we're going. That is where you are. Everyone give me acrobatics checks to land safely on the pier 20 feet below the main deck. Uh, I would like to uh, throw out a dimension door out there. Okay. And, uh, uh, Scram shouts for a uh, dimension door. Uh, Devoth just hops over the side anyway because he has a ring of feather fall. Okay. I feel like Devoth at least should make the dramatic t- drop. <laughs> Fair enough. I'm going to go owl form. All right. 
Uh, I poof whoever wants to come with, and uh... <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna take the public transportation. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I right. hold his hand tightly and hope that the door is at a good spot. All right, so Devoth safely lands on the pier with Featherfall. Ivan is now flying above the scene as an owl, and uh, Scram teleports himself, Cheryl, and Owlbear to the pier, and that's when you see it bubbling up from the surface of the lagoon lifting the ship nearly entirely out of the water is a warty mass of bulbous eyes and slimy limbs boggards human-sized toad-like creatures maybe a thousand of them their sheer numbers and upward movement have formed a sort of flotsam based island on which the ship sits in with its hull now only half submerged with frightening speed the boggards swarm up the side of the ship and in a matter of seconds the mass of bodies has kind of amoebaed its way from the water surface to spilling onto the upper decks the ship again sits properly in the water but now you can't even see your crew as the boggard horde completely envelops the main deck aft deck and fore deck even the rigging is obscured by the vast number of creatures all brandishing spears and morning stars you can hear the battle cries of your crew but just at the sight of it you know not a single sailor will survive The deck of your ship is bombarded with falling arrows, and in an instant, a huge chunk of the swarming boggards becomes still. A ballista bolt grazes over the main deck, dragging a dozen impaled boggards along with it. A loud, deep battle cry directs your attention to the west, back toward the mouth of the harbor, where the naval battle still rages, and you see two ships fast approaching. The intern ship, with Sandera halfway up the rigging, poised and ready to leap onto the mound of boggards, and the Semidurogue, with Umashtar the Cyclops at the bow. Kill the puny frogmen! As your ally <laughs> As your ally ships close in, you can see Lemon perched on Umashtar's shoulder. Send those fuckers back where they came from! Ha <laughs> <laughs> son of a bitch. And, <laughs> and with an almighty clash, your ship is rammed by the intern ship and sea plague. The thinned out but still alarmingly large Boggard Horde spreads out to harry all three crews, and Cyclops and Sailor alike can be seen clashing with the amphibious monsters. As you watch, Sandera leaps from the rigging, rapier in hand, and plunges into the Boggard, shouting, Watch me, Besmara! At this point, you know you have no choice but to leave this bizarre battle behind and find the secret entrance to the Hurricane King's bunker. As you hurry away, the clang and roars of battle grow fainter, and eventually, you're truly on your own, approaching the complex of warehouses on the south side of Lucier Hold. And we'll see you next week. Oh, what oh my, my God. God. That was, uh, uh, see ya. Oh see ya. God. See ya. Oh, fuck. See ya. Hold on. Hold Just faking it. That's pretty <laughs> sus, Andrew. Faking your task. <laughs> I'm lazy. My mouse is all the way over there. Very <laughs> sus.